This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Welcome to the Legislature Today. I'm Curtis Tate. We're in the last two weeks of the 2024 legislative session. All bills, with the exception of the budget bill, have to be out of their chamber of origin by the end of the day Wednesday to give time to consider the bill. That's called crossover day. Over the next few days, there will likely be bills sent to the House or the Senate that will require the chamber to suspend rules and allow the bill to be read more than once in a day. Today in the House, lawmakers passed bills on third reading, altering the state's definition of human trafficking and a separate bill increasing leniency over youth vaccination. Jack Walker has that story. House Bill 5031 relates to human trafficking. The proposal defines, quote, illegal aliens and human smuggling, noting that people being transported or harbored are, under the bill's terminology, illegal aliens. Smugglers either knowingly transport these individuals into West Virginia or transport and harbor those already in the state. Human smuggling does not include any person hired by another state who transports an undocumented immigrant through West Virginia so long as they will not remain in the state. The bill also states that undocumented immigrants who are victimized are ineligible for restitution. Delegate Joey Garcia, a Democrat from Marion County, opposed the bill, concerned over no restitution being unfair victim treatment and what he saw as Good Samaritan unintended consequence which honestly, we're talking about the difference between a good Samaritan situation, somebody gives somebody a ride, when they knowingly, I, I guess in this case, they know that that person might be an illegal immigrant, versus when somebody puts another person in a situation for sexual exploitation, for other types of damages that they can do to hurt that person, and we're gonna make that exactly the same. That penalty is gonna be exactly the same in each situation. And that's just a, a matter of fundamental unfairness right there. Delegate Mark Zatezalo, a Republican from Hancock County, supported the bill he said helps combat a national immigration crisis. It's very important for people to understand that the smuggling of uh, illegal immigrants, such as what's happening along the border, in certain instances, is nothing less than the reintroduction of slavery to the United States. People basically are indentured servants who come here and they have, to, they have to give their money to whoever their smugglers are. I don't think this country can afford that. I don't think we need to go back to those days. God knows we've had enough trouble with that. It's, it, it, it's something that I feel very strongly about and I wish when we vote on this bill we all think about that. The human trafficking bill passed 8313 and now goes to the Senate. The House of Delegates narrowly passed a bill that opens up more exemptions to youth vaccination. Currently, all students in West Virginia must receive vaccines for diseases like polio and measles, unless they are homeschooled or medically exempt. House Bill 5105 
would remove vaccine requirements for private, parochial, and virtual schools except for students participating in certain group sports. It would also allow students to receive vaccine exemptions because of religious concerns. Proponents of the bill described it as a matter of personal choice and religious freedom. Delegate Laura Kimball, a Republican from Harrison County, served as lead sponsor on the bill. Kimball said she drafted the bill after learning that students who attended school virtually must receive vaccines, which she described as absurd. We live in West Virginia. We live in the United States of America. We have rights. We have the constitutions. We acknowledge that we're guaranteed right to religious liberty. Yet, our West Virginia government has attempted to infringe on this right. Delegate Larry Kump, a Republican from Berkeley County, agreed, saying that vaccination should be a matter of personal choice. Why should, uh, why should government mandates do this? This is a personal property, a personal liberty and accountability bill. I do not like vaccine mandates. But opponents on both sides of the aisle expressed concerns that increasing leniency over vaccines would hurt public health. Delegate Anitra Hamilton, a Democrat from Monongalia County, said vaccines are an important way to curb public health emergencies. We can debate and call it what it is, but at the end of the day, this is about protecting not only our children, because if your children catch something, they're going to take it home to the family. What's in the community will result what's in businesses. And we don't have enough childcare to support the illnesses that will come. Delegate James Akers, a Republican from Kanawha County, said that the bill might also be unfair to families that cannot afford private education. Uh, I think that we are potentially creating an equal protection problem among schools because we'll have a situation where if a parent can afford to send their child to a private or parochial school, then they will not have to be immunized. After more than two hours of intense debate, lawmakers narrowly passed the bill by a vote of 57 to 41, with two delegates not voting. Just days before the deadline for a bill to pass its initial chamber, the House successfully sent the bill to the Senate for further deliberation. For the Legislature Today, I'm Jack Walker in Charleston. Today, the Senate passed and advanced bills concerning marital sexual assault and unemployment benefits. Brianna Heaney has the story. Currently, in state criminal law, there is an exemption for sexual abuse in marriage. Today, the Senate passed a bill that would change that. The bill requires that there was physical force that overcame earnest resistance. Lead sponsor of the bill, Senator Ryan Weld, a Republican from Brook County, says it's time to correct this injustice. Our sexual assault code was amended way back in 1976 by uh, my predecessor, the late senator from Ohio County, Judith Herndon who, as one of only eight Republicans in the Senate, and the only female in the Senate at the time, removed the marital exception from our sexual assault code. And so this is carrying on uh, what I believe to be an unfinished job that she wasn't able to get done before she unfortunately passed away in 1980. Sexual abuse currently in code has a, an exception, what is known as the marital exception. And so that if you are married to somebody and you touch them in a private area as the result of forcible compulsion, you cannot be convicted of a crime. Senator Michael Azinger, a Republican from Wood County, was one of nine no votes. He says he doesn't have a problem with the entire bill, just parts of it. Um, if you have just your, your general 
play between husband and wife that goes on in every marriage and in every house. And uh, something goes bad, then a divorce comes along, something like that, that 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 could be used potentially against the husband in, in later later times with with some kind of a of a divorce in front of a judge or whatever. That's my problem. Today, the Senate advanced two bills that would lower unemployment benefits. Currently, people can receive 26 weeks of benefits and a maximum weekly benefit of $624 if they lose their job through no fault of their own, meaning they were separated from their jobs due to a lack of available work. Senate Bill 840 would reduce the maximum amount to $550 a week. Senate Bill 841 reduces the duration of benefits. It works on a tiered system based on statewide unemployment numbers. If unemployment is under 5%, which it currently is, then the maximum benefit duration would be 12 weeks, cutting it down by more than half. The maximum benefit under the bill is 20 weeks, if there is a severe recession with an unemployment rate of 9%. Sponsor of Senate Bill 840, Senator Eric Tarr, a Republican from Putnam County, says this bill is to help secure the longevity of the unemployment fund. Um. Again, I would support uh, having this read the first time. And I understand, just like I said earlier, about the concerns of the current uh, layoffs that have happened with uh, Allegheny uh, Woods. But um, this bill and the bill previously, neither one of these take effect with these employees. And what it does is it actually preserves, if, should we get this legislation passed, this preserves our unemployment fund for the future. If we do not do something now, to go in and fix this unemployment fund, what's going to happen is unemployment services will become unavailable in the future. That's, that's just a matter of math. That's the way it's working out. So in order to secure unemployment benefits for the people of West Virginia going after January 1, 2025, However, Kelly Allen, executive director of the West Virginia Center on Budget and Policy, says the fund is healthier than ever. Our unemployment trust fund is at one of the highest balances ever on record. On Saturday, in the Senate Finance Committee, Jeff Green from Workforce West Virginia testified that currently the fund could sustain a 10% unemployment rate in the state for 91 weeks before all the funds were exhausted. Allen says that the state has not seen a recession like that in over 30 years. The last time West Virginia had an unemployment rate over 10% in a sustained period like that was uh, more than 30 years ago in 1992. Okay. Um, and in those cases, the federal government always, I mean, right now, the federal government always offers loans to states um, who exhaust their unemployment trust funds. And typically in recession or economic crisis times, they even do them with no interest. Um, so there's not a scenario in which we would be unable to pay out unemployment benefits. We have a very, very, very solvent and healthy trust fund. Um, and then there is already, like, backstops and protections provided by the Federal Department of Labor. This all comes shortly after Allegheny Wood Products announced it was closing and laying off hundreds of workers, and that the Cleveland Cliffs laid off 900 workers. Senator Mike Caputo, a Democrat from Marion County, objected to the bills being advanced. Uh, this is a, a bill that does away, that reduces unemployment benefits across the state. With the recent happenings and the news that we've heard in, in uh, Weirton and in uh, the, the wood products plant, 
could be 2,000 jobs on the line. I think it's a horrible time to do this, Mr. President. I would request a, a no vote on this. Allen says that West Virginia is an economically diverse state. And while the statewide unemployment rate is currently 3.8%, that doesn't account for all the differences between localities, like the southern coal fields and the eastern panhandle. The statewide unemployment rate is not, you know, the picture uh, in the southern coal fields as compared with, like, Monongalia County, Kanawha County, Berkeley County. So essentially these population centers um, that are doing well uh, in terms of the number of jobs available would dictate how many weeks of unemployment everybody in the state would be eligible for, even though folks in more rural parts of the state or with fewer job opportunities um, are seeing a very different economic landscape, job opportunity landscape. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. For Nursing Day at the Capitol, Bob Brunner spoke with nurses about the challenges they face, and he spoke with a leader who runs a retreat for nurses who are burned out. Did you ever think an operating room nurse risked cancer from smoke? Apparently, the issue is getting more serious, and nurses are really worried about it, and the president of the Nurses Association, Dante Newsom, says legislation is needed. The uh, you know standard practice of uh, what's called electric cautery uh, to make uh, some surgical incisions is um, something that a lot of surgeons are just used to doing, and um, there's this belief that the existing uh, infrastructure and technology in the OR, which is uh, like air exchanges that um, exchange the air in the room somewhere between 16 and 30 times an hour, um, but. If you've ever been in an OR, you can actually see the smoke from these devices just rising and passing right over you uh, very slowly um, and definitely enough time to breathe it in and, and have that toxic exposure. Uh, you know, this might seem to you to be kind of a no-brainer. First of all, if you use this thing, people who are working in the operating room can suck in enough smoke from the incisions to get cancer. If you use this thing, which is $4 more, they don't. Of course, there's always burnout and shortages, particularly in light of the recent COVID outbreak. Nationally recognized professor Rhonda Parker says that retreats may be part of the solution. I have a company called Mountain Healing, and we are offering um, retreats for healthcare, mental health provi providers, and first responders. And this is to address compassion fatigue and burnout. We suffer a lot of vicarious trauma in healthcare, watching other people suffer. That takes a huge toll on your mental health. And so I think that's another reason that nurses are leaving the profession is their mental health, their physical health. Nurses Day at the Capitol is involved in both pushing for legislation and talking about careers. For the legislature today, I'm Bob Brunner reporting. West Virginia, like most of the country, is enjoying record-setting low unemployment numbers after the pandemic. Brianna Heaney sat down with Josh Sword, president of West Virginia's AFL-CIO union, and Delegate Clay Riley, a Republican from Harrison County, to discuss two bills that would reduce unemployment benefits in the state. All righty. I, today, I've got Josh Shord, president of the AFL-CIO, and then I have got Clay Riley, Delegate Clay Riley, um, a Republican from Harrison County. 
and we are here to talk about two bills in the Senate right now, Senate Bill 840 and Senate Bill 841. Both broadly reduce the benefits available to West Virginians for unemployment benefits. One um, reduces them in money, it, it reduces it by about $100 and the, the maximum benefit, and the other reduces the duration um, that you can be on those, yeah. those benefits. Okay, let's, let's start right into it. Um, was t right now, it's currently 26 weeks of benefits. Was that ever necessary and is that necessary now? Is that for me? Go, yeah. Well, look, it's, it's in statute for a reason. I, I think uh, there are valid reasons for there to be an extended period of time for workers who lose their job through no fault of their own. And that's, I guess, is what is so disappointing to me uh, this session, having this conversation. We're, we're, we're right on the heels of two announcements in which close to 2,000 West Virginia workers are gonna be losing their job or have already lost their job through no fault of their own to be having a conversation about reducing their benefit in any capacity, a benefit they have earned to be talking about lowering or reducing that benefit in any capacity is, is very disappointing at a time when the fund is as healthy as it ever has been, unemployment rates are near historic lows, there's absolutely no problem with the fund, but yet we're having the discussion and that's what's really frustrating for myself, our organization, and, and thousands of working families that may be losing their job soon. Delegate Riley, 26 weeks, was that ever necessary? Is that necessary now? You know, I think whether you say, is it necessary, was it ever necessary? I think what you have to look at is what was ultimately the goal of the, the fund in unemployment? And it's provide stability. It provides stability for the claimants so that they know what to expect. It provides stability for the businesses so they know how they can plan for their business. I think you saw in 2009 when they came in and they made a change to the wage threshold. I think when you saw they set a limit on the or the benefit at $424. They did that because they saw a downturn in 2008 from the recession. They had to take a Title 12 loan to try to stabilize it. And I think when you see what the, the Senate Bill 840 and 841 are doing now, you know, to me, whether it's 26 or whatever, I think what you're looking for is stability so that it's predictable, people understand what it's what their benefits are, and so that it's not fluctuating. I mean, right now with the triggers in place, the benefits can go up, they can go down. The wage threshold can go up, it can go down. And so whether it's a claimant or whether it's a benefit, it's a little unpredictable right now. And I think that's unfair to West Virginians and I think it's unfair to West Virginia businesses. Okay, so you're saying that the, because the, it seems like this bill, it would lose stability if this was passed because people, it could change. I mean. Well, I think whether you're talking about 840 or 841, we're talking in a, in a broad sense, 840. Uh, and, Let's talk and about again, eight. you got to realize, I mean, the Senate is still working on these bills. I believe they're on second, second reading. So it's the amendment stage. Um, I'm obviously in the House kind of, you know, we're still waiting to see what those bills look like when they come out. I mean, uh, the Senate's been known to amend on first, second, and third. So what they look like when they come out, and, and I was referring a little bit to 841, which changes the, uh, 
changes the threshold to 10,000 and sets maximum benefit at 550. Now 840 has the indexing, which is a little bit different. Yeah, it seems like 840, at least from a worker's perspective, makes a big change to the idea of stability because things could change quickly. And you wouldn't really, like, I mean, you don't know, okay, if I got fired tomorrow, if I get fired in six months, what my unemployment benefits that I'm contributing to would be. For, for these workers uh, that just received notice that they're not going to have a job soon or already lost it, you want to talk about stability. The exact opposite of stability is what Senate Bill 840 does. It takes a person who has earned up to 26 weeks in many cases, they don't get anywhere near that length. They don't need anywhere near that length of time. But what Senate Bill 840 does in the environment that we're in today, it would take that person that has earned 26 weeks of benefits if they would need it and drops it down to 12. That cuts it by more than half. I mean, we're talking about workers all over the state. In many cases, not options for them in a like job, in a like trade, and I have to tell you, three weeks can, can go by really quickly. And we're talking about money that will be used to help pay rent or mortgage, pay electrical bills, provide food for families. I mean, this is, this is, real, this is real life stuff. And, and I guess that's why I made a comment that this is maybe the most heartless act I've seen in 25 years of representing workers at the Capitol because I truly believe it, especially in light of these two announcements here in the last 10 days. Well, and I think there's some important aspects of the bill is, is the current posture. I mean, it, neither of these bills will impact the workers in the announcement that were just made. The effective date of these is January 1 of 2025. You do have historic low unemployment, so it gives some predictability. I mean, I might argue that a little bit different, that it's an unpredictable situation, but neither one of these recent announcements will be impacted by this bill in the current posture it is. So what you're trying to do is let people know what it's going to be so they can begin to prepare for it so that we can deal with, and it is a real world situation, and right now we have a low workforce participation rate at 55%. The unemployment I think is around 4.3%. Josh may be able to correct me if I'm wrong on that. So I think it is trying, what my take on the two bills is that it's looking to try to provide stability collectively or independently. I, I, would, I would say that I would strongly disagree about the impact of this legislation. Okay, let's, let's pivot to another question. Um, are you worried about the effects that this, that this legislation could have on communities that are kind of perpetually in and out of recessions? I'm talking about places like the Southern Coal Fields where the rolling index for their unemployment is 10 and 11 percent, um, where they're aren't some of the other economic opportunities that you're seeing in other counties that are bringing that average up. These are some of the counties bringing that average down, unfortunately. Um, are either of you, and Clay, I'll give you a chance on this, are you concerned about this, this policy, which is a statewide policy, being applied to some areas where they are in kind of this perpetual recession. Well, I think, make no mistake about it, I think both Josh and I are both worried about impacts and long term. I mean, and every member, 134 members of this legislature are. We take this thing very seriously. 
So yes, I mean, there, obviously it is a concern of what it looks like long term. But I also know that I've talked to business owners and entrepreneurs in the Southern Coalfields and McDowell in Welch as recently as last week who are trying to hire managers right now and they can't hire managers. So I think when you're talking about whether it's the indexing and they're two separate bills. And so I think we ultimately really have to look at what comes out of the Senate so that, you know, when it comes to the House, we'll be able to make a fair evaluation of it. I think the way you asked the question is the reason why we shouldn't use some kind of state average, because you cannot compare the economy in southern West Virginia to even Charleston, to the northern panhandle, to north central West Virginia, to the eastern panhandle. We can't, we, we shouldn't treat them equally. Um, but, but I have to tell you, these folks that are losing their jobs now, it may take them two or three other jobs before they land in the right spot. And that could extend into 2025. That's why I believe strongly that this bill will impact any worker that is about to be laid off, may have already been laid off, and certainly any worker who loses their job through no fault of their own moving forward, this legislation would absolutely impact. Okay. Delegate Riley, I'm going to ask you, this this legislation, as you said, it's in second reading in the Senate. If it passes the Senate and is sent over to the House, what kind of legislative priority is this for you in the House? Well, you know, I think when we look across the board, I know from the, the House's side, uh, we've been focused a lot on this year on fire and EMS and making sure that our first responders have support. You've seen that come out. You've seen some foster care. But, I mean, we, we take a look at all the Senate bills that come out, and economic development and unemployment were something that have been discussed. I think you saw a few bills that were introduced on the House side as well. So whatever posture comes out, I think, you know, we look at every single bill that comes over from the Senate, and I think that's the appropriate legislative process. All righty, gentlemen. Well... Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. Kind of a flash debate on it. But thank you guys so much thank for you. coming. I thank really you. appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel. I'm Curtis Tate. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us and have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward.